Hey, everybody, and welcome back to episode 36 of the Overlay, a poker podcast. Not even going to hit up the sponsors today. Just what? Not, yeah, I'm just, just not going to say it. I feel like I say wow. the same opening every time, and I want to have a different opening today. Okay, I like it. So thank you to all our listeners. This might be the last episode of 2020, which is kind of wow. dope because I hate it really 2020. Is. I'm ready to get out of 2020. Yeah, my wife's like, I can't wait for 2021. I was like, it's not like we're going to go three, two, one, and like Y2K is going to happen and like something. Like snap your fingers. Did I ever tell you my Y2K story? Uh, no, but I just saw on Center that Tiger's playing with his son, Charlie, yes. in, a, in a tournament. Yeah, That's starts, so cool. It starts, the it's like the 19th and the 20th or something. It's like a, it's like a exhibition-y kind of tournament. It's like the PNC father and son. It's not like yeah. a real tournament. I mean, it's a real For tournament, sure. but it's not I mean, a he's real 11 tournament. years old. Who cares? It's awesome. Dude, it's so sick. And on Twitter, it was blowing up. We can wrap this up for like gambling. This lady was like, I'm making a $500 bet, parlay bet on Tiger Woods and his 11-year-old son. And, and then she was like, <laughs> I've done worse than bet money on an 11-year-old kid. Haven't I? And I was just like, uh... it's so funny because it's so... True. I can't wait till DraftKings and be like, all right, let's put uh, $800 on uh, TW Jr. here and see what he yeah, can do. Yeah, I'm Charlie. See what's up. Yep. And then like John Daly Jr. plays it. It's so good. It's like one of the most fun, like crappy tournaments that's out there. It's probably why they do it around, you know, this time of year. It's, it's awesome. Yeah, right. Anyways, uh, episode 36, Poker Math. Introduction to Poker Math, or are we just going to do like all Poker Math today? It's pretty, uh, pretty broad to say I, all Poker Math. Well, I got about I got six different things we're gonna hit up today. So I got we're gonna start with some pot odds, which is simple, basic. Most people know it, but maybe you don't. So we're gonna, you know, reinforce your ability to calculate some pot odds. Then we're gonna use those same pot odds and see if you have the right odds to bluff and how much percent your bluff needs to work in order to bluff the river. Bluff and then we're gonna I never do right. that. Then we're going to talk briefly about implied odds because implied odds gets a little messy with the math and it's really hard to kind of actually quantify uh, implied odds because it's kind of making a bunch of assumptions that you need to make. You know, it's all individually. Um, it depends on the spot. And then we have value betting. And I then like we have betting. set mining because I think people set mine a little bit more than. They should, should mathematically speaking, because everybody looks down at pocket twos and is like, I want to ruin this guy. I want to flop a two. But maybe sometimes you should be folding the twos. So we'll go into that. And last but not least, we have another simple concept to wrap it up on like setting up river shoves. And you, know, you should be thinking about bet sizing to get to the river to make a river shove. And I don't think people really wrap their head around it and do the math to get there with their stack. And that's it. Nice, yeah. So uh, we got some. We got a fun little, um, fun little episode on math. Um, before we start, I do want to say a twenty-second degenerate gambling story nice. that when I was twenty-one years old and in college, me and my buddy would get up and we would fill Gatorade bottles, half Gatorade, half vodka, and we would go to the little league field at nine in the morning and we would watch the pitchers warm up and bet hundred dollars on little league games. As random, didn't know any of the kids. We were 21, they were 12. Yeah, the, that's the so parents, good. It was so fun. And the parents, by the end of the, by the night games, we were like hammered, drunk. And we were just screaming at these kids to laugh when he hits a base hit. And these parents are like, who are these kids? I mean, and we were just exchanging $100. But it was great. So nice, if you nice. ever really want to 
have some excitement in your life. Don't really up on feel what a, of what a degenerate right. gambler should be like. You're right. a borderline going to Gamblers Anonymous meetings. That's that's a good place to right. start. Little Forget League baseball. Yeah. Little League baseball is where it's at. I mean, every everybody bets on football. Like my my mom bets the over and under on the Bears Correct. game. Like that's like, just ooh, normal. I bet, I bet a thousand on the Super Bowl. Ooh, cool. Right. So does everybody. Like try to losing twenty eight hundred dollars throwing ping pong balls into a cardboard box. <laughs> All right, poker math. That, that's episode. Uh, it's in there somewhere. It's the 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 uh, good God. You should be. Li- yeah, if you're listening to this episode right now and haven't listened to the to the the generic gambling episode, just yes. pause right now. Listen Go to that and listen one to and it. come back for the poker math. There's you can't even play poker right now, so you can use my math in two months. Listen to those degenerate stories right now. All right, you ready? Yeah, I poker mean, math. All right. I mean, I'm just going to – this is basically like the Brandon show here. You're just going to agree with me. Well, I'm going to argue with you and see what's going to go with me? from there. Right, good. Yeah, I like yeah. that. Why can Sweet. I not find the prop bet number? What the hell episode was the prop bet? I think it was really early. Yeah. Like 14, 12, maybe like four. I don't know. You keep looking. Yeah, go I'm ahead. Poker math. What are we starting with? We're starting with pot odds. Okay. Pot odds, simple concept of how much you have to put into the pot compared to how much is in the pot. And if those odds match up with the percentage you are to win the pot with your hand. Very simply example, if there is $10 in the pot and your opponent bets $5 on the river, you are getting the pot odds price of three to one on your money because you have to put in five dollars to collect their fifteen dollars episode 13 how you can lose Boom. money throwing a gatorade bottle anyways go what ahead. did i say 12 14 yeah that was, was close 13. You, you literally yeah, hopped right over it i did so, I, I like so pot odds better. right it's a simple concept if you're getting the right price on your money so like i said if if, if you had to put in five dollars to collect the guy's fifteen dollars that's in the pot Right, you're getting a three to one price. Meaning you so got, now you yeah. say, yeah, I get that, and like everybody knows that. So what does that mean? Right. Well, that means that you need to be twenty five percent. Like your hand needs to be good twenty five percent of the time in order to justify that call when you're getting three to one. And you ask, how do you get twenty five percent, Brandon? Yes. Well, how do you get twenty five percent, Brandon? It's basically you count them the five dollars that you're putting in the pot too. So it's five over twenty. Because there's ten dollars in the pot, there's the opponent's five dollars that they bet on the river, and that's your five dollars that's in the pot too. So it's five over twenty, which is one fourth, which is twenty five percent. Another what, way of and then when you say you you need to have a twenty five percent chance of winning, how do you calculate that? Let's just make it simple and give it a scenario here. You're on the river. I got whatever so the, the, two pairs. The river's the hardest because you can't like calculate your outs. Okay. Like if it's the turn and you know you have a flush draw, you have okay. Nine let's outs, say the outs. Like, do I have pot outs to call? What 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 hand do I need to have where I'm getting three to one of my money? Twenty five percent of the time, I need to win the hand to make this a profitable bet. Or really, that's not true. I need to be better than twenty five percent to make a profitable choice. Twenty five percent is the exact break. Is the break even right? Which is right, still fine. You could be at twenty five percent and go. I can call here because the odds are I'm gonna. This is a not a negative EV, not a positive EV. It's just a break. You're just gambling. Point. It's a break even point, and it's just basically like game flow. Like if you got a hundred big blinds, you might want to take this spot. That's even. If you got twelve big blinds, probably eh, don't. I don't really, I you're don't not really gaining much here, right? You, you're gaining nothing. Yeah, you're right. In I guess the long you're right. run in math, you 
break even in your chip stack. Which again, so if you said your tournament life is on the line and at best case scenario, you're going to break even on this call. If you just put it that way, what would you say? You want to fold. I fold. I'm not going to do that. Like, right. I want to put my tournament life right. when I'm a, when I'm 100 percent on the river. I'm right. I'm going to shoot well, you. You got a one in four chance of getting killed. Uh, best case scenario, you just break even. Which, yeah, I'm out. Yeah, no, no, no dice. I don't get yeah, a million no dollars. I mean, I no, double no. up. No, you just get to continue going on. Like that's it. Right. You don't gain anything. You still have your shitty life and a broken Porsche and no job. <laughs> And nowhere to get my hair cut. St- yeah, nowhere to get your hair cut. And you're I, stuck I inside. bought a new razor, uh, like a stubble razor clipper for my beard that uh, it got caught in my beard and it, it ripped out of nice chunks. And I got like a oh, missing. Yeah, no. it's awful. You know, I screwed up shaving my beard the other day. I just shaved it all off. The funniest thing is my dad did it once. Poker. This is mustache math right here. <laughs> mustache math. Fuck, that's a great name for something. We've got to find a way to use mustache math. But anyways, my dad's always had facial hair. Mustache, goatee, you guys all know Longball. Most of the old old school CCG folks know who Longball is. If not, you've heard Longball stories. The man's a legend in his own right. And he's always had some kind of facial hair, either a beard, Fu Manchu, uh, uh, what's the one that's, uh, uh, good God. Anyways, he's always got some kind of facial hair. I came home from college, and he said he was trimming his mustache on the right and it got a little short he's like damn it's uneven and then he trimmed it on the left and he had to trim it on the right he just kept trying to even it out it was just cockeyed the whole time he he does have one eye so i mean he has a reason to do this and he got done and he goes i look like adolf hitler he goes i got a hitler mustache i can't go to work with the hitler mustache so he ended up just shaving the whole thing off my sister allison would not she like literally was like i am leaving i am not coming home until that mustache is back his f- <laughs> whole face looked completely different like it looked oh. he looked like a different guy like in the movies when clark kent just puts on glasses and you're like oh bro where'd superman go he's gone like my dad if he killed if he committed murder and his wanted picture was up on a wall with a mustache and he just shaved the mustache he could walk around scot free nobody would ever find him it's completely different it- it's so funny because I walked into your sister's house the other day after I shaved, and the literally first thing she says is, "What happened? To what your happened face? to your face?" Yeah. <laughs> I was like, "What do you mean?" And she's like, "I'll see you in two weeks when yeah. your beard comes back." I was like, "Gee, thanks." Exactly. Anyways, pot odds so back I, on track. So, I mean, what basically, hand? Well, my question was, what hand? Because this helps me understand. If I have three to one odds here on the turn, what hand do I need to have to be better than twenty five percent? Like, how do I count well, my odds? Uh, my outs to know. So it's easy with draws because, I mean, you know, your outs are just on the river. Basically, it's really easy when you have flush draws because you got nine flush outs. And then it really depends on if you're going to count, like, if you have the ace high flush draw and it's a queen high board, if you're going to count your three aces as outs, too. So you got nine you outs plus maybe three outs. So let's just say it's right. a flush draw. I've got nine outs. How do I calculate right. nine outs is how much percentage? Like what, So it, it, if, you're, if you're on the turn and you got one rip at it, easiest way to do some monkey math in your head, which... Brandon Monkey Math is pretty good. You times it by two, and then you add a little bit more. So it's like uh, nine would be 18, and then you just say eh, about 20%. You 20, juice it maybe up just 21%. a little bit. Just a little bit, because it's a little bit more than double. Yeah. And it's the same thing when you're on the flop and you have a flush draw. It's four times your outs with a little bit more. So oh, four times. I never knew four, that. I, I always yes. knew the 2% thing, but I guess that's after the turn. Because if you think about it, everybody knows that you're 5% with the two out, right? Uh, if you have one shot, at aces versus kings, and you're fading to the river. It, it's a, it's five percent. Well, that's two outs times two, which is four plus it's a little really bit like more. two and a hook, five. right? But it, but when you're on the flop, 
um, a two outer is nine. It's nine uh, percent because we know this math. Wow, aces this, versus kings. This you mustache break the math has gone crazy. Well, it is. I mean, it's nine. If you, if you have aces versus kings and you break the flop and you get it all in, you're nine percent with kings on the flop. So nine percent is two outs times four, which is eight, and a little bit more, which is nine. And then you break the turn, and now you're five percent to hit the river, which is two outs times two, which is four plus a little bit more. I'm right. So you this, add a percent. I'm right. You, you add a percent or two. Yeah, I'm writing this down on my index card that you get to take to all tournaments. You know, like yeah. when you're in college and you get like one note card, you can write whatever you want on it to make sure. That, but, uh, yeah, like this is what I would write on. If you're on the flop, it's four times your outs plus a little bit more. And if it's on the turn, you got 2x two, plus a little plus, bit more. So 4x right, on the flop, 2x on the turn. If it's on little, the river, you ain't getting any more outs. So you either got right, it or you so don't. So you got you to assess. So when you're on the river, you just need to assess your opponent's range. And you got to say, man, are they? Uh, how much percent are they bluffing here? And how much percent are they value betting worse hands? I mean, when you have top two pair... It's pretty simple that like I'm going to beat a lot of value bets and I'm going to beat all these bluffs. So certainly I'm greater than 25 percent. Obviously, it's going to be a call, maybe even a raise because you have a really strong hand. Right. When that gets down a little bit further, when we talk about right, like our our other points, kind a of. little bit. No, okay. I mean no, I mean you need to use you need to use your pot odds on the river to like oh, okay. make sound decisions. I didn't, I, I didn't put those two together. I didn't R- put river two rivers two together. included. Right, like if you're getting these pot odds on the river, you need to make sure. That you're running through the list of possible oh, hands that beat you. you and the list of possible hands that you beat. And that's how you come up. This is the part where the math is not set in stone. This isn't, this is right. where you need to kind of use you your own go back range. to like pre flop play and post flop play and like what right. happened. And this and is where you're assigning ranges. This, this is where, where I always screw up because I'm right. always this is like, where you screw up. This is a great spot to like, bluff. Eh. And then I'm like, right. wait, what was I representing the whole time from the beginning? I always Correct. throw a bluff in super late. Um, and you got to say, but set you didn't the tell up. the story right from the start. Correct. It's like the, uh, the, the rookie of the year. Like you got to be able to set the idea up. Like I got to get into my position where I'm holding the ball and I'm looking at the guy and I'm getting the counts. And then all of a sudden I was like, ha ha, I don't have the ball. And then the first baseman tags him. But like, I never set it up. Like the guy knows I don't have the ball that the first baseman has the ball. And so he just, he he ain't going to get off first base. Like, Hey dummy, it ain't going to work. Stop playing this charade. Literally. I know you're full of shit. I never, I never realized that part. But anyways, go ahead. Po- poker odds. I like this yeah. one. Pot odds. Yeah, I know. I, I like it too. So, and then, so, I mean, basically, I keep kind of repeating myself because I don't really know what I've said because we, we talked about mustaches and baseball cards. Mustache and, math. Uh, anyways, so you can kind of use that inverse uh, strategy that we just talked about with pot odds to bluffing on the river. Now, if you're in the other person's shoes, Ooh. you need to say, all right, there's $100 in the pot. If I bet $50 on the river here and I'm bluffing, how much percent does my bluff have to work for this to be profitable? Well, that's 33 because it's 50 over 150. So my bluff here on the river, if I'm betting 50 into 100, it has to work 33% of the time for me to be profitable. Can I pull this off with what I'm representing in my range and what my opponent has in his range to where he's going to fold 33% of the time? And notice that you can get picked off if he's going to get if you're going to get picked off 10% of the time on this river bluff it's a good bluff right it's not saying that it's not foolproof like you guys need to understand that you you really don't need to be results oriented you just need to have solid solid math behind your decisions and just because you got picked off on the river there 
with a pair of twos. Doesn't mean it was a bad doesn't play. Doesn't mean it's not a bad You can, right, you can lose the hand and still and have made the right play. Mathematically. Correct. 100%. Which is conceptually is difficult, Very difficult. for people. And it's beyond everybody understands that, oh, I got it in 80 20 and I, I lost. The guy hit a set of twos on my set of, on my aces and he yeah. hit a set of twos and beat me. Like conceptually, they could be like, I played it right. But they can't go down to the next level and be like, I bluffed in a good spot here and got called by a good call. It was still a good bluff because they don't see it because their chips are gone right. and the guy's stacking his chips and was like, ah, that was obvious. It's, it's like, hard to be kind of objective and, and, and take yourself out of the equation or take the money side out of it and be like, where do the actual chips go? Like, was this a good idea? Was this a good play? And be like, yeah, it just it didn't work out, you know? Right. So, Or um, the idea guess, is when you're 80-20, like you're going to lose 20% of the time. That's just the way it is. Right. Yeah, I mean, if you get aces versus kings in the WSOP five straight times, like mathematically, you're going to lose one. Right. You're probably going to lose more than so one. Hard. But, yeah. Right. <laughs> So basically, uh, the moral of this early story is if you bet $100 bluffing into a $100 pot in the river, well, now it's one over one over two. So now you need to be right 50% of the time. So the more you bet, the more you have to be right based on the math. You just mean like on, if on a bluff or just in general? On a bluff. Yeah. Sorry, my throat's... Uh, Give it... Yeah. Yeah, no, no COVID over here. It's so, so funny that now when anybody sneezes, the new go-to oh, is not COVID. God bless you. It's just COVID. <laughs> yeah, or they cough. It's like COVID. COVID. But, oh, yeah, oh I mean, God so bless you. Gazunheit. Gazunheit. Nope, COVID. Would you like a napkin? No. Nope, I just don't Co- want COVID. COVID. Ew, COVID. Get, or get away from me. Anyways, go ahead. We only got a little <laughs> bit of time left 2020. It's like 15 days. We are 15 days away. I know. So the more you bluff on the river, the more the bigger you're sizing, the more right you have to be. If you bluff ten dollars into a hundred dollar pot, well, whatever one, whatever one, one over eleven, that's nine point one nine one nine percent or whatever. I just made that up, but I think that's right. If you only well, if you're bluffing ten dollars on the river, you only need to get this bluff through nine percent of the time. If you bluff two hundred dollars on the river into a $100 pot, well, now this bluff needs to work 66% of the time because that's 200 over 300. Again, it's the pot plus what you're putting in the pot. In the numerator is how much you're putting in the pot. So nice. the more the, the bigger your sizing, the more it needs to work out for right. you. So you need to adjust your sizings based on... How likely it is that you think this is going to get through. Correct, and that's right. And so, like, if you're if you're just trying to put a little... Eh, I'm going to bet $20 into 100 nope, see if it works. just me. I got a feeling. I play I Got a Feeling Poker. Right. I this feeling, is what I was going to get spot. into later. Which is so is funny because when I play Pot Limit Omaha in a tournament, I feel like my mustache math is phenomenal. I My my track record for tournaments in PLO is so good, I don't do the I – feel, I feel like I got a good spot. Like I'm The much- cool thing about poker is that you cannot understand any of the stuff that I'm saying and still be good. Yeah. Because, like, the feeling is, like, it's real. Like playing on feel is real. It's like I don't care that I'm getting the wrong price here. Like this guy's bluffing, I'm calling. And it's like you made a mistake in theory, but like theory is only theoretical. Theoretical. Like in theoretical dollars, I'm up millions of dollars playing poker. I'm sitting here. Theoretical dollars, I'm a bajillionaire. Yeah, correct. So clearly, theory only goes so far. So feel is is cool because 
you know, you can just take this math and throw it right out the window and still be a good poker player. I don't but, want to say this outright because I don't want to. I don't want to alienate any of our wonderful loyal listeners. However, uh-huh. I feel like most bad poker players, and I'm I'm thinking of a specific person who just always takes bad beats. They 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 do exactly what you did in reverse, being like, I know this guy's full of shit. Like, and they make bad they make bad plays and then blame. You know the eighty twenties of the world uh, for the reason of why they're 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 losing, rather than trying to objectively take yourself out of the equation and look at it from the outset, being like, did I actually have the right price to do this, or the right odds to call, or the right percentage to put this bluff in? Even though the guy should have never called, like I set it up perfectly. You could set up a perfect bluff from freaking. Uh, Doug Polk against some mop $20 early bird player who never played a tournament his entire life, it doesn't mean that person's going to fold. Like, even though you, 90% you should be good here, it, sometimes you lose. And I feel like right. the guys that yeah. go on monkey tilt are the ones that just don't understand or are unwilling to take that. Like, as you a need fact. to learn the math just for the simple fact that, like, you can justify to yourself that what you did is correct. Right. Which is huge because, it, you know, you got tilt factors, you got. People punt off chips more than you'd ever believe. Oh, I'm like, like it, the an it, NFL first round draft pick punter. Fourth and that, and I do it too. I mean, when you were playing in that uh, PLO tournament, I was playing that monster. I remember like four hundred thousand. It was and so then, bad. I didn't even say. Any, I didn't even make fun of you. <laughs> I didn't even make fun of you. It was so bad. I just threw like, you a pumpkin, and I was like, "Okay, see you, Brando." <laughs> yeah, like it was like you guys were three handed, and I was like chip leading this whole thing, and then like I finished the tournament. I was out before you guys before played we your finished. heads up match. Yep, right, and you were just like Brando. Well, you're out. I'm like, I-, I just punted. Punted. I wanted to I watch the finals. Just, and you know what? If I just would have sat down and thought to myself and been like, these three plays I made in these three hands were all right. I still have chips. Everything's going to be okay. Like, Brandon, you did everything right. Don't tilt at this idiot drinking a Bud Light. It just got all your chips. Like, But it just, like, the mental game is so crazy in poker, which I think the math reinforces that. And if you can just stop and think for a second, be like, you know what? This is right. I don't care that I lost. It's going to be good in the long run and move on. That's just such a better mentality for poker. But we're going to move on because I think this is an interesting one. Can I we talk do about a mental game, points. another episode of like <clears throat> the mental side of poker? Because like, yes, I have a really good friend who's read three mental books, mm-hmm. like p- mental poker. And they're oh, like supposed books? to be life changing. Three, like it's the same guy that did like a series of three books. It's our Bitcoin guy. He Ooh, he read nice. like the mental game of uh, poker, which by the way, Bitcoin guys twenty three thousand five hundred. We will have a Bitcoin episode at some point. Yes, when we're working me on it. and or Kenny figures out how it works, we still don't know. I mean, we still don't know, and we've <laughs> had money in it for ten years, yeah, but no idea. Anyways, set mining. I want to go over a couple things. Next about idea, set mining. set mining. So, for those of us who know, don't know, I I know what it is, but could you? Oh, wow! Aliens invasion. Yeah, that's somebody. Uh, Amazon Prime's here with a package. Oh, that, that was, was your crazy. doorbell, bro. That was my like. They're trying to buzz into my. Uh, Oof, that I, was great. It sounded like an that alien really was. death ray. I know. Every time somebody's on the phone with me, they're like, "What was that? What was that? Are we being attacked? Indiana's the first place. I call that bluff because there's zero percent chance Indiana's the first place they attack. Then you'd be good. Or maybe checks it is. out. I don't know. Nah. It's pretty crazy. So All right, set mining. About Tell summary? me what set mining is. So, you know, basically it goes back to 1949 when people are, you know, 
mining for gold and they're chucking along in the caves in California. I think nice. this is the gold rush. I'm just, I just made this all up U.S. history. I think it's a little um, earlier than that, but go ahead. No, because the San Francisco 49ers, I think they were called after the gold rush. I don't know them making stuff up. Anyways, it's basically where you're going to take your small little pocket pair that is relatively weak and most flops, 88% of flops, in fact, are going to miss you. And you are just going to give up and fold your hand because it's a measly pair of threes on an ace-jack four board. But you're going to take the chance that you're going to tink and strike gold and flop a set, which would be a third three if you have pocket threes. Or you know, you're going to flop a set or trips. It's not really trips, but you flop three of a kind with sure. a pocket pair in your hand. And then the theory here is that it's going to be very hidden. Sets are extremely strong in Hold'em, a little less strong in PLO, yeah. but in Hold'em, I mean, you flop a set, it's tough to fold no matter what. I mean, you the ain't folding. set over set I didn't drive happens, to the whole, yeah. Right, the set over set happens so many more times in PLO. There's, I cannot tell you how many times the flop is like, you know... King Jack six, and uh, yeah, Jacks against sixes. Correct, and and Kings I have sixes. sixes. I hate bottom pair. I won't even play the bottom set, but I'm talking to like Kings versus Jacks. Like I've got yeah. jacks and the guy's got kings and I just you just you just out you just lose your money yeah. goodbye yes. run it twice so, so it, I can get stabbed in the heart two times because that's what I want when I've got one out is to run it twice. <laughs> Remember that so, time against Dapkiss where I called with the middle set and binked the four on the first the first I river do. and it was for like a five k pot it was a huge huge pot and Dapkiss was the one who said, "Hey, bro." Let's run it twice. And I was like, really? Like, you've got me down to one four. I have a four. That's the well, only I card I can get. that's why he wants to run it twice. So there's, and there's, he, there's theories I was that. like ecstatic. I was like, hell yeah, give it to me twice. And he was just like, yeah. I was like, of course I'm willing to. Why would I say no to that? Like, I'm the one at the 2%. So the people, the, the, the theory there is um, you can only win the pot once. So I run it twice. Oh, for me, the one out. For you. It's like, I can't. I got one out. I can never scoop this pot. Right. I'm just going to run it once. But that, I mean, if it's three ways or something, and or even if it's like a 5K pot like that, I'll run it twice just to get my money back. Or, you know, if it's three ways, you still win with half the pot. Like, I get it. If it's a $400 pot and you can only win once, just, all right, you got me coolered. Run it once. Like, if I, I, think I always I run think it multiple it. times. Like, I, I right, never say no. Right, just to get no. your money back. It, yeah, it's, I, yeah, of course. Good or bad. I never, I never say to myself, am I ahead or behind I always just go yes. If if you want to run like if 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 I always yeah, let, let the other choose. guy choose, but I'm always a yeah, twice is fine. Like if anybody's like, what do you actually prefer? Two times is good. Like I don't care yeah, up or down. I, if I'm winning twice. or losing, just rip it twice. It is what it is. Go from there. Anyways, back yeah. to set mining. So, so set mining in no limit hold'em. Uh, when do you need to have like uh, what is the situation where you don't call a set mine? Let's let's try to get one of those ideas out. Um, so basically, you're you're looking for whatever price that you're being faced with preflop that the person has at least 15 times that amount in their stack behind, and this kind of gets into the implied odds where you're you're thinking that you know right. you're going to win a bigger pot. But so the the monkey math here is at least 15x. So if you're going to call a ten dollar raise preflop, the effective stack needs to be at least 150. When they say effective stack, what do they mean? Like, it's just it, the it, stack size. Like, why does it say effective stack? 
Because if you are, if you have a thousand dollars and the guy has two hundred dollars, it's a two hundred dollar effective stack. You're going to be playing the hand based on that two hundred dollar stack, not oh. your thousand dollars stack. It's more about it's the, the idea of telling st- telling the story, so you get an idea of who's got the bigger chips. No, get, it's more, but it's more like you know, if you have, it doesn't matter if you have a hundred big blinds. I can have a million dollars on the table. Blinds. All I can win here is that guy's two hundred bucks. That's it, right? So you're going to be playing the the math and the odds and the situation based, based on that stack. the effective stack of twenty bigs or two hundred dollars, right. not your million dollars. Gotcha. You know, right. so um, so what, yeah, so they, really quick, they need, what are the yeah. odds of of a person flopping a set with any pocket pair? Twelve percent. Shit, is it really? I feel One like and I seven flop, and a half. I feel like I flop more than twelve percent of the time. But it's more and it's like it's more one out of ten, a little better. It's more and more in PLO, but yeah. One out of seven. It's one out of seven point five and hold them. And I think it's like one out of five or something and hold them. Or in PLO. I don't know. It depends. All right. So if considering you only have a fifteen percent, twelve percent chance of actually hitting it. Give us the idea of this effective stack. Sorry, I derailed your month, math story, but go yeah, ahead. it's okay. You're two hundred dollars. Saying that well, you, just, you need to, they, they I feel need like to these have are the questions that the people want to know. I'm asking the, have, the people's questions. They need to have enough behind for you to make it worth it to put in money with a hand that you're going to fold probably eighty eight percent of the time. I mean, every time you miss the flop on threes, you're done you're as fold. soon as you're facing yeah, a bet. You're looking for a I three mean, or get out. Basically, like what the two, four, five flop, maybe. But again, like these are super rare. Like Even exact, then, exact, yeah. exact. I hate doing so, that. Right. So basically, it's a three or fold, <clears throat> and that goes for any hand. Basically, above. Uh, I mean, under eights, right? I mean, anything under eights. Yeah, I mean, I could see nines where if you had all unders board, like a six. Well, yeah, nines. You're no longer seven mining. Now you have a top ten hand in poker. You know, there's that's the eights is kind of the cutoff where. I'm striking for gold, and I have a little bit of gold in my hand already, and it's bonus if I flop a set. Right. So um, I do have a few more things. The more people that are behind you, the stronger your pocket pair needs to be in order to call a race. So if you if yeah if under the gun makes the twelve, it makes let's just go easy math. He's got four hundred dollars, and he makes the ten dollars. He's got forty times the amount of chips behind. So that's good. I mean, you're in you're according to math. You should be calling here with all of your low pocket pairs to set mine that guy, and because you maybe have the implied odds to win all four hundred of those dollars when you flop a set and have a very profitable hand. But you set yourself up to get squeezed in this twenty twenty of poker. A lot of people see that dead money out there, and they look at yep. under the gun raising, and then the next guy flatting with you got it pocket threes. They know and he's it. like man. And they know it, and they're then they can well, they're, squeeze they're, you out. They're playing in the hopes that you've got a middle pocket pair or a shitty pocket pair, and you're just going to dump your money. They can re-raise with their ace king and either scoop yep, the pot you up. Just got your free money, or even though or ace king you is fifty fifty right. against threes, they just owned you because you put in the pot, you put in money in the wrong spot. So don't like you have to be aware of how many people are behind you and how many people have the ability. To squeeze you, I mean, if it's all passive guys that just call, 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 you can be less worried about it. But if you got Grinder Mike and you got a couple other guys that like, you got Greek John that likes to pop it up, and you know, all the aggressive, the super aggressive players, you got to be careful when you got that middle pocket pair or a baby pocket pair, and you're just trying to set mine. You got to be aware of where you are. How many players are behind you? If you're under the gun plus three here, like. Fold right, but if if you're in the small blind and the big blind is completing the action here, well now it's like slam dunk yeah, any pair. I'm perfect calling. idea, right? 
So and, and it's then, Pat the Knit is your big blind man. What a sweet small blind is if Pat the Knit is your big blind. It is true because if he so raises, good. you just get out. Yeah, it's so he might as well just show you his cards. Hey Pat, let me see your cards. Cool, let's go to the flop. You know he so, was like he wants some kind of like points list. Pat the Knit is our number. I'm always throwing shout outs back out. We did another one earlier with him. It's early episodes. Pat the Knit uh, episode 19. Wow, episode 19. But anyways, he's, he picked up Frisbee golf, frolf. What do you guys call it? Yep. Both. Disc golf, Frisbee disc golf, golf, frolf. That's what I was thinking. That's, that's Dude, all He like, wants some like player of the year points list for disc golf that he just started playing in this year. Yeah, like, and you pro, know, it's really tilting. Pro tour because, shit. Yeah, I know. The kid's and, like and good I at everything. A I kind of hate it. $100 a hole, him versus Manoli, and he lost. And now and he's like a pro tour winner. I think Terrible. there's like different don't. levels of like the disc golf pro. I don't really know where they are, but like for golf. But either way, if you're like limited the, a pro, it doesn't matter. Even the nuts. bottom level. If you're pros. winning money playing disc golf, God bless you. Get your ass out there and throw some more discs. <laughs> Episode 19. Check out Pat the Knit. He is the perfect, perfect knit stereotype player. All right. Set so, mining. Um, now we know when to not set mine. When is a good time to set mine? I guess well, when Pat the Knit's the big blind. No, and any time that, you know, especially you're going to look at your player type. And um, another thing to look at is that the recreational players get way more value out of their set minds than the pros because the recreational guys, they can have anything. They're the guys that you're putting on flush draws and bottom pairs and stuff like that. And they bluff a lot and they're showing bluffs. So when they have the sets, you're just going to pay them off. That's just kind of a general rule. That's not really math. But uh, another rule for you is if you do call a raise and then you get squeezed out, you shouldn't be set mining anymore because now your odds are bad. The pot's too big. Again, you're just punting these chips. Um, You're just punting these chips. 88% 88% of the time. So just you guys need to learn to when you put money in with pocket threes because the first guy raises and you call, that's okay. But when then that guy squeezes you out, just get squeezed out and lose your two and a half or three or four big blinds that you put in the pot and move on. Don't put 12 big blinds in the pot trying to set mine unless you are super, super, super deep, A, and B, the guy should have a really tight three betting range for you to call because you want him to have aces or kings because you're going to have to hit a set to win anyways. So when you do hit a set, you want him to have aces and kings and not jack nine suited. Does that make sense? No, absolutely. So you you really only want to be defending these three bets when you are A, super deep, and B, the guy has a minuscule three bet range. You don't want the guy that's squeezing you out like Greek John with jack eight suited. You You don't want to play pots with pocket fives against him uh, against a super aggressive player because the idea is he's not going to call if you hit your three right like you're not going to get paid off no it's yeah it's more like his range is much wider so just because you flop the set doesn't mean he has anything whereas, whereas if when you get you a know pa- you Patty get a Rich has aces or kings and you and the, on, right Go ahead. on the jack five three you got threes you, you, you've struck gold on your end and on his end Whereas when it's Jack five three and Greek John has nine eight, cool, you got your set of threes, but he's got nine high, so you you get no money. So you need to have the right. You might check. One, you might. He, he's you're right. gonna check. He's gonna bet one time. You come over the top or call That's once. It. He ain't he ain't putting any more money in the pot. Right. Which now because you only won one bet from him after flopping a set, 
you really lost on that hand. I mean, sure, you won, but your math did not check out to the risk that you took to put in that many big lines pre-flop if you to can, win one bet. Right. If you continue to do that type of play, it is a not, it's not profitable because you're, you're not going to hit a set enough. You're just, right. You're not going right, to hit enough sets getting, to make it worthwhile. Yep. And on top of it, he's going to win pots with nine high against you every time you whiff a flop. Yeah. Because he's going to see that, and you're just like, nah, I got fives. I'm out of there. And then you just get owned over and over again for 10 big blinds, 10 big blinds, 10 big blinds. Well, cool. The one time you win his 10 big blinds and another 10 big blind bet, you win 20 big blinds. doesn't make up for the 14 times you bled off 10 big blinds. You lost 140 big blinds. Right. You need to make up for it all when you're banging against the kid's aces and he piles in 190 big blinds. Well, now you just made up for those 14 times you bricked. Like so it. you really need to be careful because I feel like I do it too and hold them where you look down at the pocket pair, you're like, ooh, I'm going to set mine. You really need to kind of pick and choose when you're going to strike gold. They need to have the right money behind. They need to have the right player type. I mean, obviously, if you're 500 big blinds deep, it doesn't matter who you're playing against. Like, you're getting a good price to set mine. That's not what I'm talking about here. But when you got 20 bigs, again, when you got 20 bigs, and the guy makes it 3,000, you're supposed to have 15 times that 3,000. That's 45,000. You only got 20,000. Like, you're not getting the right odds. Just muck it. Like, I would, you would much rather take that pocket pair and use it as like a three bet shove, a little bit of a bluff more than you would to set mine. Cause you can turn these small pocket pairs into three betting hands where it's like, all right, I'm going to ship over the top with fives. And if he calls with ace king or ace queen, we're flipping. flipping. Right. Or I can get my bluff through. And then obviously, if he's got queens, I'm out of the tournament, which is the risk that you're going to take. But don't always set mine. Kind of do some monkey math in your head. Make sure they got enough money behind. If the guy has sixty dollars in his stack and he and makes what it ten dollars, player there is right. Like you got to right. you got to put them on their three bet range. What is that particular player's three bet range? Where you you got to have an idea. Is this guy aggressive? Is this guy pretty tight? Um, you know where what kind of player is is he or she? Because you know you got you got to right. you got to have in, an idea. Each situation where they are. varies. The worse odds you're getting, the tighter you want that player to be. Right. The, the, if you're getting better odds and like, I mean, yeah, sure. Greek John's going to go crazy with nine, eight of hearts on nine, five, three, when you got threes and you're going to get, but you need to have the right stack size for that to happen compared to like, so it's, it's justified in every which situation, no matter what the player type is, you just need to understand which situation you're in. And if that narrative and the math fits the situation. Nice. All right. Well, yeah. we're, we're rolling at about 40 minutes. So I want to oh, get, I got li- nothing. Oh, I got one more thing. Yeah, I wanted I wanted to get kind of one more idea here. And what's the last part? Um, should we talk about implied odds? I feel like that, kind of we just talked about that. Yeah, implied mo- odds. well, I mean, you can kind of base it on really I mean, quickly. In, implied odds, guys, is just you're putting money in the pot, even though you're not getting the correct pot odds at the time, but you are thinking that you're going to get paid off. Correct. On the river, or when you hit your hand, much more than the math is accounting for. So just because, you know, you're getting three to one on your money and you need to be 20%, I'm sorry, 25%, as we talked about earlier, you say, you know what, I'm only 20% here, but when I hit that 20%, I'm going to get way more than the math is accounting for here. Maybe all the the guy's whole stack, because I know he has a set and I know he's bad and I have a flush draw and he's never going to fold the set on the river when I hit my flush, because he's just never going to do it. So I'm going to go after that flush draw thinking I can get the guy's entire stack and not just a river bet, which would make the math right. wrong. So that's kind of implied odds. It's kind of like looking into the future and saying, if all goes as planned, 
I'm going to get paid off much more. It's like Tesla at the beginning of the year. Correct. Everybody just, just buy Tesla and you're it's millionaire implied. now. Maybe right. it's not it's great right now. It's going to go down first, but you you just you got to you got to buy and sell the news. That's what you're doing. Um, so I think that the last concept of this is kind of simple math. I'm glad there's no like bound mathematics to it. This is all dependent, but like setting up river shoves is something that people don't even think about, and that's like super important. It's bet sizing. You need to not only you need to be telling a story with your bet sizing, but you need to be sizing up the pot for your river shove if you can never get the pot big enough to get all your money in like what are you doing when you have good hands and when you have good bluffs like you need to be sizing so that you can possibly get all of your money in on the river don't just think about it as oh there's 80 dollars in the pot how much do i bet here to make it you know how much do i bet here do i bet 40 do i bet 60 do i bet 80 do i bet 50 like these are all possible well it all depends on how much you have in your stack to get it like it's it's especially so in PLO, you want to pot the river for your whole stack. So if you have a thousand dollars in your stack and there's two hundred dollars on the flop, you need to be like, all right, how much do I bet on the flop to where when he calls, I can bet the next amount on the turn and he calls, and now I have a pot shove on the river. Right. I always think about when I when I think about like kind of implied odds or the reverse implied odds in the sense of like and again, for me, I think of everything in PLO because I don't play enough Hold'em to have any idea of what I'm actually talking about. At least this way I can. I guess it, it affects – it's the same in, in Hold'em though. You know, if you're basically repping that you have a flush draw and then the flush – bluffing or not does not matter. And you're getting the right odds to call. Let's say you actually have a flush draw and those hearts hit on the river and doesn't pair the board and you're pretty sure – I mean, obviously you're good – like you're never going to get paid off there. Like in PLO, if I know the guy's got, he flopped a set of aces and I got an open ender and a flush draw and I, I spike my flush on the river, you're never getting paid by that set. He's never putting in any more money. So for me, it's always the idea of implied odds kind of works both ways. Are, am I going to get paid? Like, yeah, I'm a 20%, but I really need to be 25% to make this call, but I'm going to get paid off way more at the end if I actually get it. So it's worth being a little bit of an underdog here. Whereas... On the flip side, yeah, I'm, you know, I've got way good odds here for what I'm calling, but the problem is you're not getting any more money. I don't know. I feel like that to me really affects. Right, you're I calling would. with no implied odds because zero. You're the implied odds are zero. You are not getting that person to put in any more money. It's the it's the set mining effect all over again. You got a super aggressive player. He might fire one bet on the flop, and then if you call. Pfft, game over, folks. He's not putting Correct. in any more money. You could check it down all the way. It, it, you might as well because you're not going to get him to put in any more money. So so the math kind of evolves a little bit there when you're talking about those reverse implied odds because you you know you have to have to adjust for the fact that if I hit my card, how much more am I really going to get off the guy? If right. it's zero, well that switches up the whole math. Correct. Because now now you're priced out of a lot more stuff than you originally were. Right. Man, like when you're chasing the board pair on the tournament play, that's a really good idea. Cause like, if you know the guy's short stack and he just made his bet and he's not, you know, like it's like, I don't know. Sometimes it's just, just get rid of him. I mean, if you're not going to get him, if you're not going to get paid off, then what's the point of doing it? You know? Right. So I want to go into just a quick example with what I'm saying with setting up river shoves. So like, um, like a good example and a bad example that I'm all done. You can wrap it up, talk to our sponsors, get everybody out of here. Happy holidays. But if there's a hundred dollars in the pot and you have a thousand, and you, I'm sorry, let's say there's, yeah, hundred. Eh, let's say there's $200 in the pot and you have $1,000 in your stack and it's PLO and you flop the flush draw. And now you, you size it up and you pot the flop for 200 
and the dude calls. Well, now there's 600 in the pot because you had the 200 plus both your guys' 200. Now there's 600 in the pot, and you have 800 in your stack. So now we go to the turn, and you pot the turn for 600. You brick, but you pot the turn for 600. He calls. So now you got 1,800 in the pot, and your stack is down to $200. The river comes a brick. You, you can't bluff the river because you have $200 left, and you just sized it up so poorly right. that – I mean, sure, when you hit your flush, you're going to get paid off because the guy's never folding. But you just, you just, you size it up and you gave yourself no outs to win the pot twice by bluffing because there's 1800 in the pot and you have $200 behind. Whereas if you play the Even same if he exact doesn't think he's any good, they might call just because like it's 200 into 18. I cannot works. fold. Like I have to Correct. see this. It's nine this to river. one. They have to be good 10% can't, of the time. Can't fold. Which goes back to our. So then if you take the same exact hand, there's, a, there's $200 in the pot. You bet $100 on the flop. He calls. Now there's 400 in the pot, and your stack is down to 900 And then the turn comes, and you whiff. There's 400 in the pot. You bet 250 and the guy calls. Well, now there's 900 in the pot, and you have 750 left. Now the river comes a brick. You can jam 750 and you see how his pot odds changed. Now he has to call $750 on Correct. the river into 900 which is whatever seven was seven point five over nine. I don't even want to do that math because I didn't do that math. Good, but it's way different than nine to one that we had in the first example. It's Which not he's even gotta be, two to one. He's got to be right one out of ten times or one out of nine times to be good. That's a pretty easy range to pick. Whereas if you're talking about seven fifty into nine, this he's got to be right like thirty six or forty percent of the way time. Way more than right, a we lot more four times. So the amount. So well, you have to really an, like think yeah. about your bet sizing and don't just be like. Pot, well, it pot, goes from a no-brainer to now. I got to actually think about this and work out the. I mean, you can get that bluff through. I always feel like I do the two hundred dollars side, where it's like that's, I I can't fold. Like even if I don't think I'm good, I'm going to give you two hundred dollars to make sure I can tell a story of how bad you played is worth the two hundred bucks. On in and Correct. of itself, even if I think I have zero percent, I am not letting you walk out of here without showing me those cards. I'm paying two hundred dollars to see your cards. Yep, show me your royal. Which isn't good for trying to get bluffs through when a guy no. just wants to see your cards. I didn't have anything. I bluffed. So just have some awareness of your stack size and what you're doing and why you're doing it. And 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 most people are like, oh, I don't want to bet too strong. I don't want to get people out. You need to also worry about your stack size and getting to a river shove. And that's all I got for poker math. I think the was- idea of poker math, which I really like, and it's kind of a poetic way to finish this episode, poker math is extremely important and you should always 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 try to play good poker based on the math but on the flip side poker is an art and it's a little bit of you're telling a story here and if your storytelling is good you can have slightly bad math and still be successful but the problem is you got to have a happy medium of both you got to tell a pretty good story with pretty good math and you could be a, a pretty good a, a pretty damn good player you know if you're i agree i, I and i even if you don't use the math, being aware of the math is Correct. the important part. hundred percent. Well, that's going to do it for episode yeah. 36. Thank you for listening. A big shout out to CCG Poker, as always, and Paramount Social Club in Houston, Texas. Uh, let's not forget about them. Uh, we are going to have another episode called Houston is the New Vegas, and we might lose Brandon to the state of Texas, which is fine. He'll have lots of fun, and I could still see him at least once a month down there, so that'll be great. Hey, 
2021. 2021, Brandon. Thank you for listening. Hit that subscribe, rate us, and review. Um, Be good out there. Hopefully, you guys are enjoying it, not losing all your money on the poker apps. If you are, send us a shout out on Twitter at the Overlay Pod. I think it is at the Overlay Pod. We're getting some more more likes and follows. So that's great. Thanks for listening. We'll catch you next time. Bye, everybody.